In this episode, I talk about a happy shift that I've noticed with beginner and more novice riders that I've seen these days compared to the past, and it has to do with a change in priorities. So here we go, episode 142, beginning with regard. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. Now recently, I've met and had the chance to observe some less experienced or lower level riders than I usually work with or am around. And after observing them, I found that I walked away with two phrases in my mind. One was the conscientious beginner, and then the other one was beginning with regard. And it just sort of struck me that there was something different that when I first sort of had my eyes soft focus on these riders, I found that I had sort of put them in this category. And since I don't often work with, with that level or level of experience with a rider, it, it triggered like an old school thinking. And I was just like, oh, they're beginners or, oh, they're of this particular level. And I had some preconceived ideas I realized about what their abilities would be and what they would understand and what they would be able to do. And then the more I observed them, the more I was blown away (laughs) that I had to kind of throw out that model. I was making all these assumptions about them. So some of them were people that I actually got to work with and some of them I just observed, but I wanted to kind of play around with these, um, these experiences of mine, because those two phrases, the conscientious beginner and beginning with regard, like that was the shift. So of course I wanted to explore it and I thought, you know, this podcast is a great place to do that. So thank you for giving me a place to uh, ponder and muse about these sorts of things. So as you know, when words and phrases pop into my head, I often start with definitions. So conscientious. I thought, well, that word popped in my mind. Let's, let's Google the definition. So conscientious is about, uh, let's see, one of the definitions said it's about the ability to set and keep long-term goals, to be more deliberate about choices, to act more cautiously and take your obligations seriously. Another definition said it was, Uh, conscientiousness was about wishing to do what's right, especially to do one's work or duty well and thoroughly. And so the parts that I think I was connecting in my brain to was the part about um, being more deliberate about choices and wishing to do what is right. And that was the piece I think that I was seeing on a a much, I don't know, I hate this like high, low, right? (laughs) High level, low level. It was a shift. So this was, there was a different process of making choices, a more deliberate process of, 
of choices and wishing to do what's right. Well, who gets to say what's right? Okay, there's some fuzziness there because, you know, what one person said is the right thing to do with a horse is the next one down the road is going to say, no, that's the wrong thing to do with a horse. But let's just say in this context, right would be, you know, things in the spirit of what this podcast is about and the priority levels around that. And I'll talk a little bit more about what exactly that means. But I did see more decision-making and more wishing to do what's quote-unquote right within this context is to be in, in, in harmony with the horse, in relationship to the horse, and in regard to the horse. So, of course, I had to, you know, look up the word regard. <laughs> so what does regard mean? So it can be a noun, meaning attention to or concern for something. And it also can be a verb to consider or think of someone or something in a specific way. So this consideration of this attention to, and I think here's the important part, the concern for something. And I'll say, for some horse, (laughs) right? For something you're doing, which is riding or horsemanship, but it's attention to or concern for the horse. That's what I was picking up up on. So maybe I should have, you know, thought of the combining of these two phrases, which is conscientious regard, where you are more deliberate about your attention to and concern for your horse. You're wishing to do what's right in a specific way for your horse. And so in in observing these students, I thought, you know, when I talk about dressage and the object of dressage, I always say that like the, the object of dressage, which is, you know, the development of the horse into happy athlete through harmonious education, resulting in horses calm, loose, supple, and flexible, but also confident, attentive, and keen, thus achieving perfect understanding with this rider. Like that can be achieved, I always say, like at the beginning, right? And and that those qualities listed in that object of dressage are priorities that we have to start there and then everything is built upon that. Going up the levels is built on that rather than thinking, okay, you have to get to Grand Prix and then day one, one day after the perfect half halt, then you will have achieved the object of dressage. And so I realized, you know, I always say that we have to start with that object of dressage. We start with that. The beginning is the end in a way. And but I'm used to working with a certain, you know, type of rider working on certain things. And so then thinking about all the stuff that comes before what I teach and all the experiences that people need to have before they get to, you know, kind of do the stuff that I'm often talking about, at least with riding. I was like, oh, there's something that applies there also. There's some object of horsemanship that can be achieved right at the beginning, right at the beginning, instead of thinking, well, you've got to go through, you know, all this time and go to some certain levels, and then you get this wisdom and awareness, and then you really know about horses, and then you can have this conscientious regard. So I think it's kind of cool because like, no, we can begin, we can begin with the end, not only in mind, but in practice. 
So being a good horseman is so much more about decision-making, prioritization. It's about principles and priorities. And then everything is built upon that. So that sounds very wise. You think, oh, if somebody has principles and priorities, they're very wise. They've had life experience. And through that life experience, they have developed these principles and priorities. But here's the thing. We've got to um, share those. (laughs) How many experienced, you know, upper level, that was in air quotes, upper level riders are actually sharing the principles and priorities. There are some that are, and the ones that are, (laughs) go to them. Because the other ones are not. They maybe have developed principles and priorities, but they might not value them or be as aware of them. And what they're teaching is technique and control and technique and control. Now there's a podcast episode you can look back. Um, It's, you know, the principles of dressage naturally. And I go into more detail of exactly, you know, what I mean by principles and priorities. So they're my principles and priorities. And um, they're certainly not the only ones or the right ones. You can create your own principles and priorities for what you do. But I I think it can be helpful um, to see an example of what I mean by that. So you can find them on my website. If you go to dressagenaturally.net and then click about, um, you'll get to a section where you can then find the tab for principles and priorities. You can look um, at previous episodes of this podcast for a podcast episode called principles of dressage naturally. And you can go deeper into that. And we'll keep touching on that here too. But you would you would think that the kind of principle-based decision-making takes a lot of experience. But what I'm finding is that when, when you're prioritizing relationship and being attuned to and harmonized with your horse, that doesn't take as much experience as it does instead being just being in the moment, practicing being in the moment, being present and able to have awareness and feel because anybody can do that. Anybody can practice being in the moment, be attuned to your horse, strive to be in finding the harmony with your horse, be present have awareness of the environment, awareness of your horse, awareness of yourself, so you can feel. If you're allowed to do that, if you're taught to do that, if you're encouraged to do that, you as a rider, even if you're a beginner rider, you will be able to make decisions that are wiser beyond your years. (laughs) I'm seeing it. And these things that are in this in the moment when your horse becomes suddenly afraid or suddenly relaxes, you know, these, these sorts of things can actually be more obvious and more possible for less advanced, I did air quotes again, less advanced people, um, you know, to understand more than, you know, those are easier to understand and see than like how to properly hold the reins. Because, you know, here's the thing, how to properly hold the reins changes depending on what you're doing with your horse and who's teaching you or where you live or what kind of bridle you're wearing. And sometimes there's options. But so many times beginners are taught 
how to properly hold the reins. Like that's one of the big things or properly do this or properly do that. And, you know, there's, that's actually trickier. Like, well, why hold the reins like that? What's the mechanics of that? What's the effect on the communication with horse's mouth? That's pretty complex. But I think people can understand, you know, what's the historical significance of holding the reins like that, you know? But if humans just as beings understand and by nature can feel fear, can notice discomfort, can notice attention and lack of attention or when things shift or things like that, we've, we've taught ourselves to ignore those things. But I think being attuned with those things as someone who's not familiar with a horse and you're just starting out riding, those moments, the recognizing when your horse is distracted or when you something doesn't feel quite right or you're sensing some confusion, like those are the big important pieces. Those are the, the pieces that are going to keep you safer ultimately than correctly holding the reins while you don't notice that your horse is about to freak out. <laughs> and so this is what's going to create the confidence and the, and the better understanding. You know, being connected with yourself and your horse in the moment and reading that situation is much more universal language than any specific riding technique. And I think what I'm seeing, at least in my world, I mean, I'm definitely not out in the whole wild wilderness <laughs> of everything that is horses in the world today, but in my world, I'm definitely seeing that now that partnership-based horsemanship is so much more um, mainstream and so much more easy to find, that there really is a group it's a new group of novice or less experienced people who actually have a much higher level of regard, um, conscientious regard for their horses. Sometimes I've seen much higher level of conscientious regard for their horses than some of the older school professionals that are out there. And that's really interesting to me. All right. So you know, what do I mean by this? It's an, this conscientious regard. It's a knowing if their horse is tense or confused and wanting them to not be tense or confused. That's the important part because you can notice a horse is tense or confused and then react to it in a, in a very non-conscientious or in a way that does not have regard for the horse. That stupid horse just has to pay attention to you and do what he's told after all. So it's a willingness to slow down and think or return to relaxation. So by slow down, I don't mean physically go slower with your horse. It's just to like take some time and make sure you, things are understood or to catch your breath or to plan or to ask a question or just to give, give it some time. So it's a willingness to slow down and think or return to relaxation. It's a tendency and a priority to communicate and not just control. And I saw this with a few people where, um, the, 
you know, what I was expecting to see was a moment of control. And these people were stopping, slowing down, going back to a more basic version of it, rewarding their horse, taking a breath, starting again, without anyone telling them to do that. (laughs) So really, really cool. And I think, you know, when I kind of picture, I have many more hours watching more beginner or more novice riders, like from my old traditional riding school days. Like, so I have a big, I have a lot of hours of picturing the, the beginner, more beginner lessons that would happen at the barns that I was in. And so that's my picture. But what's so, so much of what is taught in those more old school, traditional riding programs back in the day was about control first. And the trust and dialogue and regard for the horse was something that was somehow earned or gained or slowly, you know, you slowly gain this somehow, you know. (laughs) And, you know, in the old days, horses were tacked up. I mean, this probably happens now these days too, but I'm just saying this is when I was seeing it. (laughs) It was in the old days. (laughs) Uh, You know, horses were tacked up and tied waiting for their students who just like took the horse and got on, right? You just walked the horse in the arena and you got on. You know, the actual riding skills were developed way before any relationship skills or um, understanding about who that horse is and what he might be feeling in the moment and what the communication is. You know, whenever I say communication, there's, you know, it's, to me, it's a two-way street. So I kind of differentiate between control, which is, I said, do it. <laughs> why? Because mommy said so. That's why. That's like control. And if, if something's not working, there's a stronger boundary applied. There's a stronger arm, a stronger leg, or some uh, strap that is supposed to somehow limit the horse. Martingale, side reins, things like that. It's like, I said, go there. I'm not going to let you go anywhere else, comply and do it. And then everybody, you know, we're all going to be good. Where communication implied in that is that there's a dialogue. So if the horse says, huh, what? I'm not sure I want to, then that becomes whatever is happening. And the game is, how can we shift it? So the horse goes, oh, okay, (laughs) sure. (laughs) As a teacher, I'm always kind of thinking about my philosophy of teaching and my teaching style and what needs to be updated. And this is where I'm noticing a bit of a shift in my own perspectives around this and my role in general in the moment for students that are in front of me. I mean, any student success has so much to do with my own principles and my own priorities for teaching them and what expectations I have for them and why I'm asking them to do the things that I'm doing. And so much of teaching, you know, can be out of pure service or it can be out of ego. And I think we've all seen moments where, you know, the, the teacher is teaching out of ego to try to get the student to do something so that everyone's like, wow, you're an amazing teacher. And, you know, I, I've done that. I think those moments have happened and 
I've definitely caught myself doing that and I'll sometimes push a little bit more or help people make a breakthrough. I mean, sometimes that happens, but more and more (laughs) as I get older and hopefully wiser, when I teach, it's not about me trying to show off by getting my students to do amazing things, especially if I do it in a way where they wouldn't know how to recreate it without me there. I mean, I've always been about helping students be empowered so that they can do it without me. So it's really about meeting students where they are and helping them take that next step in a way that they can feel confident to recreate it without me. And I guess just, you know, that's what I've always, I I always do that. But it was just interesting to, again, be around some writers who were, I'd say, just less experienced than I've been used to teaching um, recently and just realize that there was a difference. I'm like, oh, there's a little difference my, my, in my tendency. So I've now, you know, just, it was so obvious that I'm like, okay, everybody is the same. Everybody needs to be given, I need to give my students that conscientious regard, no matter what level they are. And, you know, to give them more credit because I am seeing, you know, less experienced riders and horsemen that have, um, you know, at first glance, they seem quote unquote beginner. And then I see them executing exercises with more nuance and awareness than I was expecting. And, And part of that also, which is really cool, is that these riders were you know, dare I say, bold enough to make a decision that was right for them and their horse, even if it wasn't, even if I was in that moment, like being a little bit more demanding or like, come on, come on, you know, do it. (laughs) And then, and they're like, oh, I need to take my time and I need to stop for a second. And you need to, and you know, it's so at first I'm like, come on, why aren't you doing what I say? And then like, wait, no, that was a really good decision that they just made for themselves. So I, I always, I always teach in a very collaborative way and it's increasingly collaborative as the time goes by. But, um, again, really surprised pleasantly at how well it was working with even, um, you know, the less experienced riders and the more I allowed them the time and the space to make some of those decisions, the happier, the better, the safer everything felt. So it's like, oh, this works for like everybody and horses, conscientious regard. And it makes sense that the more that these riders are from the beginning taught in a way that builds their confidence in decision-making, and builds their confidence and their awareness of their horse's level of understanding and their horse's comfort level in a moment, it makes sense that that'll be safer, safer and happier. Everyone will be safer and happier. And so then the progress will be faster. Comes down to how you measure progress too. And here's the thing I also noticed is how happy their horses looked with them. You know, so many times um, I think of, you know, the picture of the school horse with the beginner rider, and it's not always 
a happy picture in my, the picture in my memory. These are the horses who had to kind of endure, (laughs) you know, these riders until the riders could sort of, you know, figure out how to ride. But the people that I was seeing, like they were partners going together. And because they were making decisions and because they weren't just focused on control, they were focused on communication and the relationship and understanding what was happening. The horses just, they, they just looked like rock stars. They had such sweet expressions. And now, you know, just because when I say, I know when I say beginners, people are, and novice people are picturing lots of different things. Like the people that I'm talking about, they weren't really like beginner beginners. <laughs> beginner beginners is out of my scope or my comfort zone as a teacher. They were, I don't know, you know, more novice or beginner to dressage or, you know, whatever. <laughs> I've actually never really felt comfortable teaching pure beginners. And I'm really, really impressed by people who um, do that as their specialty and are able to do it well and safely. Years ago, I uh, had a student who had a pretty, you know, safe, <laughs> safe beginner horse. And I put my uh, first husband up on him and uh, I was completely useless. And he, the horse started to move and <laughs> and then started to trot. And of course, you know, he didn't know how to post the trot or anything yet. And uh, he, the horse started going faster and faster. And I, I was actually um, so doubled over laughing hysterically that I couldn't, I couldn't do anything to help. And some other people had to like go step in and um, grab the horse, and which was horrible because it was at a sort of fairly busy barn and I'd come in there to teach these dressage lessons. And then, you know, while we were there, I'm like, hey, can, can he have a ride on this horse? And so it was completely unprofessional, highly unprofessional, as this poor guy was uh, getting, you know, taken off with at a trot and just sort of standing up in the stirrups and bouncing more and more. And his hands were sort of up over his head trying to pull on the reins. And uh, the instructor, me, was in the center of the arena, literally doubled over laughing so hard that I couldn't even get a word out. Anyway, so it's, it's best that I'm not around beginners. Now, of course, that was with my husband at the time. I've never before and never since then um, had that reaction to an actual student, uh, no matter how ridiculous things <laughs> things get. So you're still safe with me. But anyway, I'm, I tend to just, you know, when there's a, I'm around a real beginner, I'm like, hey, let's just stand still and like review parts of the saddle. <laughs> so I, I am so impressed by people who work with um, beginners and people's first experience, experiences with horses. Uh, there's the mastermind and mentorship program I have for heart-centered horse professionals, kind of on the horse business side of things. But there are many um, t- professionals in there, in that group that, um, that are heart-centered and that they teach, they have um, beginner riding programs or um, children's programs, and they're operating with these priorities. And it just makes me so happy and so hopeful you know, I can remember back in the summer camp, summer horse camp days and even pony club, you know, we really learned about the care of the horse, the feeding, the grooming, the basic management, but still was missing this relationship and this 
regard for the horse in the way that I'm seeing now. And so I'm, I'm really hoping um, that this new regard for horses filters into those programs too. And, you know, if anybody out there is, you know, running a pony club and would ever like me to speak uh, to your group, either your local club or regionally, like contact me because a pony club is really near and dear to my heart. And uh, I just learned so much from it. And, and I think this relationship piece is, um, is a, such a, an important and great piece to, to add in uh, to there too. But so much of this regard and in thinking about these less experienced riders and, and how they were different than the, the, the less experienced riders back in the day. And it just comes back to the happy athlete training scale, which is just so confirming. And so for those of you who don't know the, the happy athlete training scale that I came up with, it, you can find it on the website. But if you picture this pyramid and at the base of the pyramid is happiness, that you are a happy individual and that the horse is a happy individual. And once we have happy individuals and the next um, piece up from that base, creating this pyramid or triangle, is harmony. So the idea that a happy horse and a happy human can now better find harmony together. And when you're in harmony, then you can start to communicate. So the next, the next level up is communication. And it makes sense that if you're in harmony together in general, then it's going to be easier to have a conversation. Then the next piece is once you can talk about stuff and at this point you've got comfortable transportation and kind of happy little campers. And then the next thing to pay attention to is techniques for improving the way the horse moves. So the sweet spot of healthy biomechanics. It's like, okay, we can happily trot along. Let's improve our balance and refine that and find biomechanical improvements for greater relaxation, energy and balance and freedom of movement. And then the next rung up is more gymnastic development, which is the specialty of dressage and which I think every horse can benefit from. And then, you know, on top of that will be any other sports specific training that you want to add on. And so this is what I was seeing, you know, that, that there are riders that are coming up that are in the last decade have started to ride or started their education with horses. And I'm seeing that they are happier with their horses. Their horses are happy to be there. They have a high level of harmony. They're learning to communicate. Often these guys have a high level of communication in their own way. And then I can just give them ideas for other things to talk to their horse about. And they can much more quickly get to the conversation about healthy movement much faster than a, a, the old school beginner rider that I have in my head, which is about control and repetition with no regard for the horse. And so then the horse isn't happy and there's a posture for that. <laughs> there's not a lot of communication and there's a posture for being held together, things like that. So contrasting the happy athlete training scale, which I'm so happy is happening out there in the world, happiness, harmony, communication, sweet spot of healthy movement, gymnastic development, sports specific training. And that's contrasted with the old school version of control, 
repetition, right? Keep them on the rail, hold them there, go around and around and around and around. One more time, one more time, one more time. And a more military style dominance hierarchy where the teacher is at the top and the horse is at the bottom, right? The teacher tells the student, the student tells the horse and the horse is supposed to comply and oblige. Hey everyone, a quick message to let you know about a really exciting limited time opportunity for learning at no extra cost. So now you've heard me rave about the video classroom. It's my video training library, and it's where you go to see this podcast in action with videos on pretty much everything that I teach. But for May, June, and July, we are going to be doing extra monthly live Q&A calls, and anyone who's in the classroom gets to attend at no extra cost. We've never offered this before, so it's a pretty cool opportunity. So this is such a great time to be able to speak with a real person, to get your questions answered, either about a particular video that you watched or a challenge that you're having with your horse. Now the video classroom, I think, is always the best deal. And for May, June, and July, it is going to be amazing. So go to dressagenaturally.net slash classroom and start your subscription today. There's always a one week free trial to check it out. Again, dressagenaturally.net slash classroom. Okay, now back to the pod. So if you're a student listening and you want to, you know, if you think of yourself, well, no matter what level you think you're at, but if, especially if you're a beginner, you know, just know that idea of that training scale, have that in your mind. It makes a lot of sense and find a teacher who will teach you accordingly. Now they might not use that term happy athlete training scale, but if you approach them and you say, I want to learn more about horses and I really want to make sure I'm prioritizing my quality of the harmony and the relationship and the communication, you know, I don't care if I, you know, go compete, you know, they're going to react a certain way and they might go, oh yeah, that's what we do. Or they might go, oh, roll your eyes, another person who doesn't want to compete. And then, you know, that's not the trainer for you. And you can also, if you're not, if you are experienced, if you're not a beginner, you can look at that training scale and that's a really good problem solving training scale. So if there's some issue you're having in your development, kind of look on that training scale. Like, are you missing any pieces? Are you focused in a certain area? And the, the people that you go to for help, like what is their specialty? Right? So there's people who specialize in the happiness harmony, but maybe you're trying to win a competition. You need to find maybe a piece of the higher up rungs of that pyramid rungs of the pyramid, rungs of the ladder or scales on the pyramid. And, you know, if you're, um, maybe your teacher is competition focused and is in a specialty, a sport specific specialty, but now your horse like doesn't look so happy, you know, they might not have expertise in developing the bottom of the pyramid. So it's a really, really helpful tool. Those of you who are already teaching people new to horses to hold their horses in conscientious regard and to think about the horse's experience, you have my utmost admiration and support. 
Those of you who are taking your time and teaching beginners by starting at the beginning with relationship and communication instead of only control and repetition, you are the hope for the horse world. It may feel like you're going slow, like other training barns have their kids competing before yours, but it's okay to stick to your plan. In the end, you're doing a better service to the person, the horse, and the world because we all know the life lessons that we learn when we open ourselves to entering a real relationship with a horse. When we really see a horse, we really see ourselves. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse move in harmony and enjoy the process.